good morning. It's good. It's good. Weather feels great outside, doesn't it? If you're in your house tuning in online, I'd encourage you to open your windows or your door this morning because it feels great. It's a little tease in August that the weather may be cooling down. And then if you're new to the Greenville area, just brace yourself because there will be blistering summer temperatures at some point probably in the next few days. So maybe even this afternoon. I haven't looked at the weather. But, um, well, hey, if this is your first time here, maybe it's been a long time. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here, and we are uh, so glad that you are with us, whether that is online or you are here in the building uh, this morning. And we are wrapping up our series today uh, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I've had a lot of fun diving into the Holy Spirit as we've uh, tried to for the past couple of weeks, and we'll conclude this week, do some teaching on the Holy Spirit. Because I think a lot of times in church circles you hear the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, uh, and, and I don't think at times we have done a great job as the big church uh, teaching through the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit uh, look like for my life. And so we tell everybody, hey, you want to experience the Holy Spirit, and then we don't teach about the Holy Spirit. And so uh, if this is your first week hopping into the series, I'd encourage you to go back and watch the last uh, couple of Sundays. Um, But week one, we really talked about some of the basics of who is the Holy Spirit and how does the Holy Spirit function uh, for my life. And we talked about that the Holy Spirit is our advocate, uh, comforter, teacher. And then last week, we talked about the refining of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is refining you and me through conviction and, uh, and the goal of the refining process is so that you and I would produce fruit. And we have acknowledged and we've talked about every week that we need the Holy Spirit. We need the refining of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so last week we, we started in Acts chapter 2, uh, which really kind of is, is for, I think, a lot of people, the, the reference, the initial, if you have any uh, you know, familiarity with Scripture, we go to Acts chapter 2 of when we see the Holy Spirit. And it's uh, the, the disciples are in the upper room and the Holy Spirit shows up. And, uh, but we also connected that the Holy Spirit is found all throughout Scripture, even from the creation process uh, and all the way through. But there are two visual images we, we saw as we talked about last week that the Holy Spirit, uh, it was the sound of the wind and tongues of fire and the fire representing the refining process. And I told you last week we're going to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit this week which is the wind of the Holy Spirit. And if you know anything, wind uh, can produce power and energy if utilized in the right way. And so we're going to start in Acts chapter 1 this morning, picking up in verse 4 through 8. And it says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, and this is Jesus, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Now there's going to be something, and we're going to come back to this, but there's to be something said for learning how to wait and to be patient. But he says, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Now, let me just pause here for a moment. The disciples had been with Jesus all this time, and they were still convinced that he was a political figure and he was going to physically take over the kingdom. And so when we talk about things like the Holy Spirit, and there can be some confusion and some searching, and we're trying to sort things out, don't feel bad about it. Because the disciples physically walked this earth with Jesus, and they were still trying to figure some stuff out. And so our encouragement to you today, and as a church, and even for my own life, is that we continue to go through this process of trying to discover more of who God is, who the Holy Spirit is for my life. So don't feel bad if you've got questions and all that, the disciples did. But he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has sent by his own authority. And this is the key verse here in, in verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus is telling us two things in this passage. Number one, wait because the gift that is coming is important. And two, when the gift comes, you will receive power. But he doesn't just stop there. He clarifies why we need power, and that is to be his witnesses in their community and to the ends of the earth. So I want us to answer this question today. Why do we need the power of the Holy Spirit? And the first is this. The Holy Spirit gives power for our life. Simple. The Holy Spirit gives power for our life. How do we know this? Well, if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you can bet that you and I need the Holy Spirit. Could Christ have performed in his divinity? Because if we get and we touch on theology just for a moment, and a lot of this is, is rooted in some theological education here, could Jesus have performed miracles in his divinity? The answer is yes, because he was fully God and fully man. But when we read the account of Scripture, we see that the miracles were performed in the fullness of the Spirit. So I had to begin to ask myself this question and really dive, why does God use the Holy Spirit through Jesus? And the only thing I can come to terms with is this is that if Jesus is fully man and fully God, God is using Jesus as the example for what our life should look like. So if God cares enough about us seeing Jesus in the fullness of the Spirit, then you and I should model our life and say, how do I become full of the Spirit and how do I operate that way? If Jesus, who is the Lord of our life, who is the Savior of the universe, operated in the fullness of the Spirit, we should as well. See, we find in Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus, full of the Spirit, left the Jordan. It's right after he's baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So here we find, and this is the importance that the Holy Spirit brings power for our life because we see that Jesus operated in the fullness of the Holy Spirit for his life. Before Jesus faced temptation in the wilderness, he was full of the Spirit. Now, do I believe that Jesus as a teenager probably faced some temptation? You betcha. Why? Because he was fully man and fully God. In that humanity, I'm sure that he faced temptation, but this was when we find him stepping into the wilderness to face Satan while he's going 
in preparing before he does his first miracle. So before Jesus performs his first miracle, he's full of the Spirit. And if you're not familiar with this account, what we see here is Jesus is baptized in water by John the Baptist. And then we see that the Father basically says, you know, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And it says the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus like a dove. Which is why oftentimes we connect the Holy Spirit with this visual image of a dove. Before Jesus called his first disciple, Jesus was full of the Spirit. So after all this takes place, we find a little uh, later in, in, in Luke 4, and I don't have this scripture, so don't, I'm just going to read just kind of an excerpt. But we find Jesus is teaching in the temple, so he's full of the Spirit, and he reads this excerpt from Isaiah. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He's reading the prophecy that is talking about him, and he says, today this is fulfilled. So Jesus, right from the get-go, the beginning of his earthly ministry, we see that he has placed an importance on the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish the life that God has created him for, the life that God has, has brought him to earth for. Jesus acknowledges and talks about our great need for the power of the Holy Spirit. See, we find later in the, in, uh, the book of Luke 24, 48, he says, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Wait, Jesus says. Be patient. Don't go anywhere. Now, I don't know about you, but this is a difficult task for me in my life. When it says to wait. Because we get anxious. We don't want to be patient. Normally in our waiting period is when we have doubts and questions. Am I in the right place? Am I, is this the right timing? All of this because in, in the waiting sometimes there's silence. And the waiting sometimes the thing that, that noise clouds out in our life. It, it, when, once that silence comes it's a scary place. I don't like for things to be quiet. <laughs> Because a lot of times we have to deal with the demons that are inside of us when the silence comes. But Jesus says to wait until you have been clothed from power on high. And as I was thinking about this waiting process, it, it brings me to terms I enjoy eating. I mean, that's, that's a no-brainer. Uh, and many of you probably enjoy eating as well. And I believe that Greenville is home to some of the best restaurants on the planet. And if you need some help in finding some of them, I would be glad uh, for you to take me out to eat and I'll point you in the right direction. It's good. But here's the difference in the waiting process. Chick-fil-A is a great thing. It's a good thing. All right? But if, if my Chick-fil-A takes longer than probably four to five minutes, my patience is tested. What's wrong? Do they have a manager on duty? What are they doing back there? I know, chicken take, how long does chicken take? Five minutes in the pressure cooker. I mean, I should not wait longer than five minutes for my chicken to be to me. Okay? Chick-fil-A is a good thing. Not down to Chick-fil-A. It's God's chicken sandwich. I believe it. But there is a difference if I go, Chick-fil-A is just, it is just meeting my need for that meal. 
But then I, if I go over here to, I don't know, one of my favorite steakhouses, Hall's Steakhouse. Anybody ever been to Hall's Steakhouse? Ooh, praise Jesus. I'd sacrifice Chick-fil-A for a year just to have one steak at Hall's. I don't know. That, that may be a little, that's a little stretch. But if I go to Hall's Steakhouse, I'm not checking my watch at five minutes. Why? Because I know what is coming to my table is worth the wait. Oftentimes, we don't recognize the value of what Jesus has asked us to wait for, and so we get impatient. We think he's just going to drop us a chicken sandwich, but really the the perfect ribeye or the perfect filet is back in the kitchen, and it is being prepared for you. And if you will just learn to wait, you will recognize in that waiting period God is doing something for your life. Will you just be patient? But so many times we trade the filet for the chicken sandwich. And maybe you don't like steak and you're just like, I take the chicken sandwich. Let me tell you, the steak is worth the wait. I'm sure Hall's has chicken too, but I wouldn't dare go and order it. Wait. Why? Because there is this great gift for you, the gift of power for your life. The life of the head, ahead of the disciples at that moment. The life ahead of you and I. We cannot do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. You know why? Because we will fail and fail and fail and fail some more when we are relying on our own power versus the power of the Holy Spirit. God's best for our life. We will miss it and miss it and miss it some more. We need the power of of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is refining us. We talked all about that last week. The power of the Holy Spirit is refining us. Why? To make us more like the image of Christ. All the fruits of the Spirit, those aren't some made-up things that Paul just thought were good qualities. They are qualities of the Savior of the universe. They are the qualities of Jesus. If we look at the nine fruits of the Spirit that we talked about last week, they are... They are the qualities of Jesus. So what is the Holy Spirit doing? Is is the power of the Holy Spirit refines us for our everyday life, making us more like Jesus. Because the same Spirit that was at work in Jesus, the same Spirit that, that was at work when Jesus called the disciples, when Jesus was teaching, when Jesus was performing miracles, when Jesus was raised from the dead, that same Holy Spirit is available to you and I. That same power of the Holy Spirit. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Cohen has this power wheel. Um, I used to have a Jeep, and, and, it, and it was like the mini version of my Jeep. And Cohen loves this power wheel. He loves to hop in. Uh, just the other day, our niece was over at the house, Caroline, and he's just driving her around uh, like, like he, is just, he is just the king of that thing. And then Jensen tries to crawl in the back, and he's looking like a little crazy three-year-old, one leg out, you know, trying to balance. I'm freaking out as a dad. Kid's going to fall off, crack his head open. And I'm fully convinced Jensen is going to be our first trip to the emergency room for a broken bone. But that's needless to say. If you know Jensen, you just, you, you just understand that. And uh, Cohen loves to just hop in this thing and drive. But something happens often when Cohen gets in the power wheel and he goes to drive is he'll take that thing out for the road and he'll go and he'll go and he'll go and then all of a sudden that power wheel starts to drain. 
And that power wheel starts to slow down. And that power wheel starts to have trouble getting back to the garage of which it needs to be parked. Why? Because that power wheel needs to be recharged in order to fulfill its potential. And he gets real frustrated when that thing starts draining. His patience starts to get tested when that thing starts to drain. And it is the same thing for yours and my life. When we try to live this life without the power of the Holy Spirit, without a recharge of the Holy Spirit, we start to get drained. We start to get testy. But here's the reality and the truth of the matter. All I have to do is plug in Cohen's power wheel. All we have to do is ask for the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit for us to live the life the way that God intended for us to live. We all need a recharge. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're finding struggles in your marriage that weren't struggling, you weren't struggling in maybe six months ago or a year ago or a week ago, maybe it's time for a recharge. You find yourselves having issues at work and and you just feel the grind and y'all know what I'm talking about. So many times we've just yet to plug back in and say, Holy Spirit, I need a fresh anointing of you today. I need to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit today because I'm tired and I'm weary and I'm drained. And the only way that we will accomplish, the only way that we'll have the power to get back to where we need to be is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 5 through 6 says this, Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Paul states here that there's two totally different camps. There's the camp that that is, is choosing death, and then there's the camp that's choosing the Holy Spirit to be led by the power of the Holy Spirit, which brings life and peace. If you tell me what's behind door number one and door number two, I'm going to choose life and peace over death all day long. And we can choose life today. We can choose to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can choose to have the recharge that brings life and peace. The second thing this morning is this. The Holy Spirit gives power for the impossible. The Holy Spirit gives power for the impossible. You want to know the first impossible task is to overcome sin by ourselves. C.1. We need the power of the Holy Spirit for us to live our life. Because we cannot do this by ourselves. We will constantly struggle with the same sin over and over and over. And it is not until we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through us and work in us that we have the strength, the power, to overcome sin. The second impossible task to fulfill God's plan for our life. You know why? Because God's plan is always bigger than us. Ephesians 3.20, I I love how how Paul uh, describes the Lord here. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. We cannot measure what he can do than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. This is Paul's best attempt at describing the incredible, impossible nature of the power of the Holy Spirit. We cannot measure what he is able to do. 
It's more than we can dream. It's more than we can ask. It's more than we can imagine. The Holy Spirit brings power for the impossible. Because when it's our plan, we can accomplish it by ourselves. If you're a good planner in life, you can set a good plan and you can execute that plan. But when it's God's plan, you know that you can't do it by yourself. You find yourself on your knees or on your face before the Lord. You find yourselves praying a lot more because you recognize, I cannot do this, Lord. I can't, I can't, I can't accomplish what you're asking me to do. And I believe the Lord says, you're right. And that's why you need the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. To do the impossible. How does that take place? Well, I believe one of the main ways is the power of the Holy Spirit to do the impossible comes through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which he bestows on all of us. Think about it this way. We're, we're, we're called to do a task. Maybe that task is to, to, to light a fire. There's a lot of ways I can light a fire. I can light a fire by rubbing two sticks together. I've never, never done it, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I just see cartoons of cavemen doing it, right? So I'm sure it could be done. If you're a Boy Scout or a Ranger, maybe you could teach me a thing or two about lighting a campfire with rubbing two sticks together. But you know what? If, if there is a, a gift in that moment that I need to start a fire and all I have are two sticks and somebody comes up and offers me a lighter, which is going to do that more effectively and a lot faster, I want to receive that gift. And I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are the same way. We can accomplish things in our life. We can get from point A to point B. But I believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit empowers us to do the impossible. And we find a list of spiritual gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. And I want you to, if you have your, your Bible, you can underline this or highlight this in your Bible app. For the common good. Not for our gratification. Not for our glory. Not for, for our own benefit. It is for the common good. That means the gifts of the Spirit are not just for you. They are for the impossible. And that is for you to accomplish what God has called you to accomplish. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. So the Holy Spirit determines who and what spiritual gifts you're given through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am glad it's not me. I'm glad it's not you. Because we probably we could probably, in our personalities, rank these, oh, I really like this one. I really want this one. And, you know, I don't care for that person over there, so I'm going to give them this gift because this just comes across as a little different. I am so grateful it's the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit, you know what, knows our personality, knows our makeup, knows our purpose, knows our calling on this planet, knows how we're wired. So the Holy Spirit determines... But you know what? We can mess this up when we make it about us. These gifts, 
let me remind you, it is for the common good. It is for the encouragement of others. It is not for our glory. The gifts of the Spirit should be a complement to actually the fruits of the Spirit. See, I was very methodical in making sure we talked about the fruits before we talked about the gifts. Because I believe that God calls them to be in balance. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself down here. But I heard one pastor say, if we don't teach and talk about the gifts, their presence in our churches will fade. I believe that we have got to do a better job is the big C church talking about gifts. Why? Because the power of the Holy Spirit is needed for us to do the impossible. And I want to be a person of the impossible. I want to be a church of the impossible. Why? Because if, if it's possible to live this life and walk this earth and do okay without, without taking up another Sunday, without taking up time in our day to, to read and pursue God, a lot of people would choose that life over one with the Lord. But when we recognize that the impossible can happen, when I live the way God intended for me to live, when I pursue the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, it changes things. Now, I want to take just a moment, and, and out of this list, I'm, I'm going to take two minutes here. Because when we read this list, we can breeze through this list. And there's a lot that we understand about this list. Oh, I can understand healing. Oh, I can understand wisdom. But tongues, when we talk about tongues, it can become one of the more controversial gifts. If you actually like, I mean, everybody's got opinions on tongues, and a lot of people have questions about tongues. And so I just want to give you just a few things about tongues and hopefully help you just understand a little bit and maybe become a little more curious. So, what are tongues? Tongues, as we hear it referred in church circles, is the gift of speaking in a language that you haven't heard, learned. There's no education process to what that spiritual language is. But then there's a lot, and there's a lot here, because there are people, I, I mean, I have friends, actually uh, a, a gentleman in the church, we've had the conversation, and every time he's gone to, to speak in tongues, it's been in a earthly language that other people have recognized. I've heard stories, Dr. Mark Rutland, who is the president of the university I went to when I was there in, uh, in, in Lakeland, Florida, when he was filled with the Spirit and began to speak in tongues, he was speaking fluent in, in Spanish. He had never learned an ounce of Spanish, but he was on a mission trip and began to speak, and the people heard him, and he didn't need an interpreter. Can I explain that? I can't. All I can explain is going back to 1 Corinthians 12, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So who am I to determine when God turns it on and when God turns it off and how God wants to use it? All I want to do is say, God, if it's for me, then I want it. But here's another thing. You can be a believer and choose not to speak in tongues. Tongues is not necessary for your salvation. I think sometimes we put a, a greater emphasis, and can, and churches out there have done this, put a greater emphasis on the gift than the giver. And we never want to get this mixed up. I want you to understand, pursue Jesus for the redemption of your soul. That is key for you to spend eternity not in hell, but in heaven. Spend eternity with our Heavenly Father. But it's not a requirement for salvation. But I do believe that it is accessible for every believer. 
a gift you have to accept. And I don't believe that God will force this on you. Because when I read through Scripture, I believe the Holy Spirit is gentle. And so you know what? Here's, here's what I love about this. Because we have people in our church that come from all different backgrounds. And I love being able to say, hey, the Holy Spirit is gentle. If you get to that moment where you want to seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in tongues, I believe it's there for you. I believe you just have to make that conscious decision to begin to ask. And it's not got to be in, in, in our timing. It's when you're ready. We don't, we don't require this for you to serve in an area of ministry here. We don't require this for you to lead in the church here. Why? Because we believe it's a gift. And if you want to experience that gift, we want to encourage you to experience that gift. And if you're just not ready yet, that's okay. And if you want to sit down and let's talk about it, and let's look through Scripture, let's sit down and talk about it. Why? Because I believe that every gift that the Holy Spirit has for my life or your life is one that's worth opening. That's one that's worth experiencing. So we want you to seek the Holy Spirit, not just a gift. Okay, hear me correctly this morning. Because I believe that there is a difference in our attitude and our posture when we're seeking a gift versus the giver. If I was to stand before a king right now, an earthly king right now, I'm not going to walk in and say, well, what do you have for me? I'm probably going to be the one that's bringing the gift. And I think the greatest example for our life is that when we view the power of the Holy Spirit, it shouldn't be what we can get. It's what we need to give of our life to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit brings the power for the impossible. See, I believe when we don't operate in the Holy Spirit, when we're not operating in the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we are like a, a toy that does not have the batteries inside. And we may be a nice toy. It may be okay, but what happens? That toy can come alive when the batteries are put in the right way. I read another quote this week as I was prep prepping. Spiritual gifts are any ability the Spirit gives you to express your faith in order to strengthen another person. Here again, spiritual gifts are for the common good. They are for the, the encouragement of others. But we can't do this by ourselves. This is the impossible. Healing, prophecy, wisdom, all of this can happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the third thing is this as we close this morning. The Holy Spirit gives power for us to be the church. For us to be the church. I've heard it said the church should or the, the church needs to blank. Fill in the blank with whatever. You probably have a blank that we should fill in here. But can I tell you the church is not a building, it is the body that's why we were, we were very careful in our language. The church was never closed through COVID. The building may have been closed, but the church is never closed until we decide that we don't want to be a part of the body of Christ anymore. We are the church, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us for us to be the church that he has called us to be. We can't fulfill the mission of the church if we're in bondage. We can't fulfill the mission of the church if we're out of balance. Leonard Ravenhill was uh, a famous evangelist, and he used this image of a dove to talk about the Holy Spirit. And I read this, uh, I guess, a couple of weeks ago, and I, I just knew. I'm like, we need to talk about this. But Leonard Ravenhill, 
He talks about the dove, and he points that there's nine feathers on each wing of the dove. Now, I did some fact-checking, and there's actually more feathers than that on each side. But for the sake of this illustration, let's just pretend there's nine feathers. Nine feathers on one wing, nine feathers on the other, and five feathers on the tail. There's nine gifts of the Spirit, nine fruits of the Spirit, and five pieces of the five-fold ministry of the church. Have you ever seen a bird fly with one wing? Think about that just for a moment. So here's what, when I, when I read that, when I saw that he uses this teaching to talk about the Holy Spirit, and he talks about the fact that the gifts without the fruit creates turmoil. We can't be the church that God intends for us to be if we're trying to fly with one wing. So you know what? That means if all we have are the fruits of the Spirit and we're not operating in the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given us, we're out of balance. If we operate in the gifts of the Spirit but don't have the fruit, we're out of balance. That's why Paul says in Scripture, if I speak in the tongues of angels but have not loved, I am nothing but an awful noise. But here's the problem. We get so consumed with gifts, we get obsessive with gifts. We can that we forget that we're supposed to be producing fruit. And then we can become over here because we don't understand gifts and we say, well, the fruit is a comfortable place and so I, I really don't want to open that can of worms and neither is right. I believe God has called us to operate in balance. That's why there's nine fruits of the Spirit and nine gifts of the Spirit. And then you know what? The, t- the tail is the five-fold ministry of the church. Apostle, prophet, teacher, evangelist, pastor. And you know what the tail does? The tail directs the bird. It's the rudder. Everything God does is on purpose, with a purpose. He's called us to be his church. It all works together. See, Romans 12, 6 through 8 says this, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I love what Paul says here. Why? Because he's basically saying, be the church. Whatever God has given you as a gift, operate in it. Be the church. Why? Because these gifts are not to hoard in your closet and and only for you. These gifts are what God intends to use to reach people, to encourage people. See, it's not just good enough for us to have a knowledge of gifts. It's not just good enough for us to have a knowledge of Jesus. We could do just lectures every Sunday morning and just educate our people on who Jesus is. We could just do lectures. But if we don't do anything with that knowledge, we're just a bunch of really smart believers. But God has called us to do something, and that is to be the church. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and then skipping to verse 8, it says, Because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. 
And he skips down here to verse 8. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia, but also uh, Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Not just in these communities, but everywhere. And then we go back to what did Jesus say? But you will receive power to be my witness. Jesus was giving us instruction of why the entire time. The power for our life, the power for the impossible, the power for us to be the church. Not to become comfortable, not to have great spirit-filled worship services that we want to have every Sunday morning. But to be the church, to be his witnesses. See, the reach of our church, the reach of our lives is diminished if we do not embrace the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. We need power to get there. We need power to walk and step with the Lord's plan for our life. So here's the question, how do I receive power, Pastor? How do I receive the power of the Holy Spirit? Simple, Jesus said, wait and receive. And actually predating it, he just says, ask. So you ask, you wait, and you receive. It's that easy. If you begin to pray this simple prayer, Holy Spirit, I need your power today. Scripture talks about how loving our Heavenly Father is. He, he gives. He is a giver. He is generous. It's not this, I don't need to give this 12-step process because what does living in the power of the Holy Spirit look like? It lo looks like us just being full of our faith and full of the Spirit full enough to receive the gifts that he has intended for our lives. And we just have to ask. Sometimes there's, there's a waiting period before we see that activated in us. But I believe every believer has access to the Holy Spirit being full in our life. We just have to ask for it. But see, the only step to get there outside of asking is for us to embrace Jesus as the Lord of our life. For us to embrace salvation and us to ask for the Holy Spirit. That's it. And then we can embrace all that God has for our life. So this morning as we close, I want every head to be bowed, every eye to be closed. If you're here, whether you're tuning in online or you're in the building, just say, I need to make that decision first and foremost. I need to embrace Jesus as Lord of my life. Then I'm just going to, I'm actually going to invite everybody, we do this every week, to repeat this simple prayer after me. And then Jesus is faithful to forgive us, to cleanse us, and to be Lord of our life. So can we pray this together? Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Help me to follow you. Help me to serve you. Help me to love you and love others. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, as we close today, I just want us to stand and just spend a moment in worship. And maybe you haven't prayed that prayer before. Holy Spirit, I need your power. Today is the day that you can begin to ask, and he is faithful to give. So let's worship together as we close.